Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I'm the managing editor of MDDI. And on this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we have a very special guest, my good friend, Marissa Fayer. Now, Marissa is a 20-year-plus medtech executive, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. She is the CEO and founder of Her Health EQ, a nonprofit organization that has a mission to move innovation and the health of women forward throughout the world. We're going to discuss Her Health EQ and its challenges, its triumphs, and just what the company has been doing to advance women's health over the last few years. It's going to be such an incredible conversation. We're also going to learn about how a recent trip to the Netherlands is going to impact healthcare in Sub-Saharan Africa in a big way. And we're going to discuss how Marissa got her start in medtech. It's a fascinating story. When she began her career, it was in a male-dominated industry. How did she deal with that? How did she handle that? How did she rise up through the ranks? It's going to be such a compelling story. We're also going to talk about her fascination with engineering and why it's not a job title or a profession, but rather a state of mind. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's talk MedTech with Marissa Thayer. Well, welcome, Marissa. Thanks for coming to Let's Talk MedTech. You're one of my favorite people to interview in the industry and just love it that you've come on today with us. Thanks for having me. Really excited. I mean, we've known each other for years, and uh, this is exciting to be on. Sure, sure. Now, you're the founder and CEO of Her Health EQ, and I want to talk all about that and all about the good things that you're doing for women's health. But understand that you've done some traveling lately. You went to you went to Europe. First of all, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, second of all. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, talk about your trip to Europe. What was that all about? And how was it? It was great. It was so nice to be back. So I went to the Netherlands. And um, I'm sure everybody's thinking like, oh, she went on vacation. Definitely not. Um, I I was there working. Um, so I've joined as a venture partner, Assiduity Capital. And we are investing in and supporting healthcare companies focused in sub-Sahara Africa. And so the fund is based there. We're about to start our fundraise. And so, um, you know, we all just thought we should meet and uh, finalize a few things. We should get on the same page. And, um, you know, also just as a team, all work together um, and making sure that we're we're there to support uh, the entrepreneurs that we want to support the most, how we want to do that, how we're going to support the companies, what our core focus is on. And so... You know, I love Zoom, but there's really nothing like being in person. And so we decided to all meet there. Um, it was actually easier for us to be there than the Europeans to come to the States at this point. So, um, you know, certainly I was not opposed to, to getting on an airplane after all this time because I miss it dearly. And I think I cried when I stepped foot on it. But um it was just, it was nice to be back. There's, you know, certainly uh, a lot of business that's still happening in Europe. And, um, you know, our focus uh, is is preparedness for the future. And it always has been. And this is, this fund wasn't created certainly as a response to the pandemic, but it will, it will help strengthen uh, future pandemics of which uh, we absolutely will have. And so ensuring that African 
you know, sub-Saharan African um, healthcare is strengthened um, in the med tech space um, is really important to me as a person. It's really important, um, you know, to, to a lot of people. So uh, I was grateful when they asked me to to join the fund, and so uh, that's what I was doing in Europe. It was a uh, it was fun and exhausting, and uh, I was still working U.S. hours as well. So wow. I apologize to any of my phone calls at midnight when I probably was dozing off at the same time. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always called you the hardest working person in med tech. <laughs> hardly, hardly. I just uh, I just seem to work the most hours for some obscene reason. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Understood. Well, it, it's amazing that you're continuing that mission, and I want to talk about her healthy cube. And you know, you're a veteran in the industry. You you've got a lot of credentials behind you. What led you to to forming Her Health EQ and and talk about its mission? Absolutely. It's my favorite topic always. But so Her Health EQ, we provide medical devices and equipment to developing countries focused on women's health. And so we also, we take repurposed equipment oftentimes. It could be new, but it could also be repurposed. And by repurposed, I mean, it's been used for two or three years and perfectly usable. A useful life typically of a medical device, as, as I'm sure your, your listeners know, is, you know, 20 to 25 years. But um, a lot of equipment often, oftentimes gets upgraded or swapped out or there's a scratch or a logo change or things like that. And um, I, that's just not incredibly important for people who don't have medical equipment at all. And so we work to repurpose that equipment. We focus on women's health because um, as my career journey happened to, to take me, um, I, I started working for a women's health company and kind of found my passion. And so... Um, so, so for me, we focus on women's health, and and we do that not just in Africa. It's in Latin America, um, in Southeast Asia. We also have a program in the states. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of equal opportunity. We're in the Caribbean as well, and so um, we we want to focus on women because uh, first of all, their healthcare is just a little bit more complicated than men's health. Um, there's a lot more going on. We're also, you know, women are also having uh, children, which complicates a lot of um, uh, healthcare issues as well. And um, oftentimes women are not, their healthcare is not prioritized. So they prioritize uh, their family first, they prioritize other people first in their community, and they don't pr- prioritize themselves. And unfortunately, without women having correct and and um, and and healthy lives, then it, the, like the community, you know, it does fall apart because it almost always relies on a woman. Mm-hmm. And so, and as does their family. And girls are pulled out of school first when when their um, you know family unit is is disrupted. And so it's important to me as a woman in STEM to make sure that girls around the world have access to education and they don't have access to education when they're not in school. And they're not in school because women are unhealthy um, and, and either are incapacitated or have died. And so being in the healthcare field, I'm, you know, that's the one thing I was able to, to, to fix. And so what Her LTQ does, what we we work with the medical device manufacturers, um, we work with hospitals to repurpose that equipment. Um, we focus on maternal health, diabetes, heart disease, and cancers affecting women, uh, multiple cancers. And um, these are things that pieces of equipment um, can either 
diagnose or maybe prevent and or treat. And so we work kind of in the continuum spectrum of care um, and, and we work with developing countries because they have, they're in this middle ground of which they have, you know, they have the infrastructure in place. They're focused on these non-communicable diseases um, that are affecting women and they want to do something about it, but they quite honestly just can't get the equipment. Um, you know, they're not at the, the, the biggest private hospitals. And so they need equipment. And so that's kind of how uh, we come in and fill the gap. Um, this all started, uh, you know, this is, this is like my favorite one-liner that I started my TED Talk with, but it's, um, you know, my life changed when uh, I had a conversation at a bar when I was living in Costa Rica. Because, I mean, everybody's life should change at a bar in Costa Rica. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. So, and, and I was working there. It's not like I was on vacation. I was working there. I was working for a very large multinational women's health company there. And um, a friend of mine was saying, um, women are dying of breast cancer in this remote region, you know, and, and they're dying because their mammography system broke down. And 10 years ago, and the government never replaced it regardless, you know, there was still socialized, med there still is socialized medicine there. But, you know, when you're, you're not near a capital, you forget about it. And, you know, you're not priority number one. And I just came off the uh, brand new product lease of a uh, uh, product launch of a brand new mammography system. So I knew that there was returns coming back and that we were sometimes throwing those away or scavenging them for, for parts. And I just, I thought like, you know, I was very naive. I was, I was, uh, I was probably 30 and I was naive and said, well, great, let's, let's get one. And uh, obviously I had no idea of the complications behind that, which is, you know, quite, quite a steep learning. <laughs> but, um, but for me, um, it was important for us as an organization, as a company that I was working for to give back to the community in which we were working. And with something that didn't have any monetary you know, really didn't have that many, that much monetary value to us. So why not donate it, help an entire community? And, and, and in the 10 years since we've been able to decrease the, the cancer rates by 10 X, and we've been able to make sure that the mammography is still working. Like it took a lot of work and incredible amounts of people and so many people in the U S and in Costa Rica and everywhere in between. And, you know, that started her healthy cue for me. And I just kind of kept on thinking, well, that's great. That was one thing. That was one device. That was one location. Where else can we do this? And what other companies can help? What other health conditions are there? What other countries are there? What other locations and, and things like that? So um, uh, several years afterwards, I started her LCQ. It's been in existence um, for, for over six years now. And um, and so I've been running it as our CEO and growing it and building it, um, in addition, as you said, to, to all the other fun stuff that I, I have going on. But it's, the, it's my passion for sure. And it's, it's the one that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I think about. And it's the one that, you know, when I can't sleep in the middle of the night, it's because, I'm tr you know, we're trying to work through a problem. Um, so I guess, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's my life work. Yeah. But what's sleep, though? What's sleep? What is sleep? Yeah, well, it's true. I'm not really sure what sleep is. And, and uh, I'm sure I sound a little blah today as my sleepless night last night didn't help the situation. 
<laughs> I don't need sleep. Right. It's, I mean, it's so irrelevant. <laughs> I do. And as a person in healthcare, 100% believe in it. I, for some reason, uh, have a really hard time getting it. So, but I, you know, yes, absolutely yeah. uh, need the sleep and uh, welcome all uh, all recommendations as well. <laughs> Maybe somebody could just club me over the head because like, I think that that might be it. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm an early riser as well. Well, I'm an early riser. I don't even want to tell what time I get up. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about some of maybe the challenges that you face with her health EQ, and then I want to follow up with one of the most memorable stories that you can tell um, uh, that you can kind of present to us. But what are some of the challenges that you you faced in your mission? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. So for us, you know, the, there's the biggest challenge, I guess, right now is is getting equipment and working with companies and making sure that we are, you know, infiltrating the supply chain in order to obtain that equipment. And so uh, it's something that uh, we continue to work on. I also want to make sure that it's, you know, predictable and sustainable as opposed to very one-off. Um, I, I want us. I want us to, to to have almost, you know, equipment flow, um, knowing that we can then create programs and create greater impact. And so making sure that we have uh, continuous equipment flow is really helpful for us. You know, there's always going to be opportunities where we have to just uh, kind of apply and ask and work on it on a one-off basis. But if this can be continuous, um, it helps us be able to plan and, and also work with um, you know, almost greater ferocity in different regions um, and in different countries and and on different health conditions, so that we can we can continue to make a greater impact. And at her LTQ, we've made um, kind of a the, bitty, the the really big audacious goal of impacting the lives of a million women by the end of 2025. Wow. And um, you know, there's a lot of work to get done. That also means that's a significant amount of equipment that needs to be deployed. Um, and and you know, we want these these programs to be up and operational. And so, so you know, that's one of our, our challenges. The other challenge, uh, you know, is like every organization, especially a nonprofit is, is you know, the correct funding mechanisms. Um, but that's just, a, that's a, a normal nonprofit thing. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the third issue is always to find um, uh, qualified locations in each country. And, you know, we have a pipeline of those um, and they oftentimes come from referrals and come from, um, you know, other nonprofit uh, partners that we have. And, and we love to partner. We don't, we don't set up our own clinics. Um, we do not uh, put our teams in the field. There's already so many organizations and, and, and doctors and nurses and physicians everywhere in the world. They just need the equipment and they just need the, you know, the assistance to be able to, uh, to help, you know, their patients. And so we just want to be that catalyst to be able to do that. We also want to help, uh, you know, companies, med device companies, hospitals to, to get this great CSR benefit because it's quote unquote, you know, money left on the table for them in the form of tax deductions. I mean, sure. you know, there's a lot of companies that don't have the bandwidth to to set up these types of organizations or to these types of, of programs. Well, that's what we do for a living. Let us set those up for you. Um, you get the benefit of it. We we get it to where it needs to go. And we all, you know, the, the whole world has impact uh, as a result. And so, 
those are kind of the things that we challenge, you know, we, we struggle with. Um, those are the things that certainly uh, keep me up at night. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's always like a never ending battle as, as, as every organization and every company. I mean, a nonprofit is a company. It's just mm-hmm. that I'm personally not becoming rich as the CEO, um, nor is our staff. And, and we're more impact focused versus profits focused and so but you know it's it's still a company so and we try you know we we try to run it that way and that's how uh, in my opinion every nonprofit should be run but um yeah you know that's uh it's growing pains right now and we've had some great traction and we're um we're we're in this growth stage which is the exciting part it's also the incredibly scary part so uh hence hence my no sleeping (laughs) Wow, Marissa, you're really doing a lot for women's health through Her Health EQ. Such an amazing story. But I want to take a brief moment and take a pause from our conversation and talk a little bit about MDDI, the medical device and diagnostics industry. Yes, MDDI is a resource exclusively for original equipment manufacturers of medical devices and in vitro diagnostic products. The goal of MDDI is to help industry professionals develop, design, and manufacture medical products that comply with complex and demanding regulations and market requirements. You might be asking yourself, hey, how can I find out more about MDDI? How can I view some of the awesome content that's on it about the medical device and diagnostics industry? Well, I'm going to help you out. You can find it at mddionline.com. Yes, that's mddionline.com. It's your one-stop shop for all the news, events, just everything you can think of related to medical devices and diagnostics. And it's it's such a dentry. You can even find this podcast uh, on the website. So it's an amazing one-stop shop. Hope you view it. And you can find it again, mddionline.com. Now, back to our conversation with Marissa Fayer. Talk a little bit about some of your most memorable, uh, just something that really stands out, your your most touching moments uh, from the company. What's something that you've seen, something that you, you maybe you've done or something you've responded to? Yeah, I mean, every moment. You know, every time that I hear of a woman, um, you know, utilizing our equipment or um, maybe being diagnosed with something that they are then treated for, which without our equipment, they would never have access to, or that they were treated, you know, like in, in, in Tanzania, that women are instantly treated treated for cervical cancer lesions. I mean, these women now go on to have productive lives and and um, don't have pain and are able to, you know, at this point live cancer free. Like that's really exciting. But my, I went down to Jamaica to one of our programs. It was one of our first, it's actually our first program um, officially as her LTQ. And so we, we went down there and saw our equipment in use and spoke to the doctors and the nurses and they built an entire room for our ultrasound and just because they wanted to uh, use that as a screening room. And, you know, the fact that we were kind of in the middle, they were showing us everything and in the middle, you know, a woman comes in um, and, and, and the nurse comes in, she was like, oh my God, I know you're in the middle of a demo, but like, we need to use the equipment because, you know, we think she's having some complications with her pregnancy. And, and, and it was, 
it, it was amazing to to see that that like they actually were using the equipment and that um they they were prioritizing their patients and you, you know there was never uh, an apology to me to say like I'm sorry you know you kind of didn't get the whole demo like this is what we do it for I don't I don't do it for the press I don't do it for the publicity uh, I I am grateful I guess that I do enough of that my own but like we do it for the women and and the fact that you know these nurses were 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 absolutely prioritizing their patients as as uh, every nurse around the world does and you know wanted to use the equipment and we got to see it in use and i think that like for me that was it was great to see because you know we could sit here in our quote unquote ivory towers and i'm in new york so certainly it's a tower and um you know i can sit here and feel great about what we've done but to see it in use is just so important and impactful and um it, you know every time i think about that or any of the other stories that i hear it 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 spurns me to keep going because mm -hmm. certainly as everybody knows every day is hard every day it's you know it's work just because it's a nonprofit doesn't mean that it's you know unicorns and rainbows every day it's it's actually harder than a for-profit company <laughs> you know so so you need these 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 stories to keep going you you need these reminders and you know I look back at that and so many of the other stories that we hear um, and so many that I know we're going to be creating in the future and mm -hmm. that's to me the exciting part we're we're about to, you know, um, we're about to launch a very large breast cancer screening program in India. I mean, we're planning to impact seventy thousand women's lives a year, um, and uh, you know that's exciting to to provide services that do not exist, um, things like that. And that again, those stories just multiply throughout throughout the the world, and um, that's. That's what keeps certainly me going. Uh, I can't speak for anybody else on the team or the board, but I imagine it's the same because uh, I see our faces light up when when we hear about that and and uh, you know when we get pictures from the field and things like that. So um, that's the impact that we want to have. And again, not for us to feel good, but for for the world to you know and the women of the world to have access to this healthcare. Sure. And, and and I think what's so important about your story is that, you know, and, and what we might not be seeing on here in the States is that there's simple things that we have in the U.S. that some of these women don't have access to. And, you know, you're able to bridge that gap and save lives and improve the quality of life for these women. And, uh, you, you know, when I first heard of the company a few years back, um, when, when I came on um, to Informa, it, it, you know, it just blew me away. Um, you know, what you all are doing is is just, it, you know, it's it, it's it's a passion. It's a passion work, um, and it's it, it's a testament to 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 your beliefs and your goals, and, and it's just amazing. I'm always blown away by the work that her Healthy Q is doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it it means a lot to hear it. You know, I think sometimes when you're in the the midst of it, you just kind of get bogged down in the details, and yeah. uh, it's nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's go back early into your career. Um, let's go back to your decision to become an engineer in, in med tech, and I don't want to give away your age. I don't want to do that. But when you first started, um, there weren't a lot of women in the field were there am i correct in saying that or 
Yeah, you're correct. Um, okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm okay with the age. I'm you know okay. I'm 43, so you know I've been in the industry 22 years at this point. But um, you know, I there were not that many, um, and a lot of them were not in you know technical roles or management roles. I, you know, there certainly were. You know, I I, I have some people that I looked up to as well, um, mm. but it was not. It was not the norm. Um, it, it's it, it was and and continues to be a very male dominated industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we've you know we've talked a little bit about that offline, but how was it starting out? Um, were you looked at differently, or were you treated okay, or what are some of the obstacles that you uh, kind of, that you ran into? I think I was very lucky to have some. Um, probably pro-feminist uh, managers who, who were men um, and, and, and pro-woman, which, which I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, some of the, the first management um, uh, members that I had supporting me um, really did support me. And I, would, I actually don't think that I would be where I am without them. Um, I think that I was typically the only woman or um, one of two in a, in a large room. And it continued to get better over time. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. Certainly, you know, we're, we're also talking, you know, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early forties, so I'm not in my early sixties. And I think, imagine, you know, even 20 years before, um, how hard that would be. So, uh, you know, I, I think about it in my experiences and, and yeah, there, you know, certainly there was sexism, you know, there, I, I was asked to get coffee and I think that's, you know, in, 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 20, you know, 2004, like that's a ridiculous, uh, ask certainly. Um, but oh. yeah, you know, it's, it, it has gotten better. Uh, some of it has stayed the same. There are actually more women in management now, which I, I applaud, thank goodness. Um, and, and there's opportunities for people to look up to, and I didn't have many female role models to look up to, especially in the beginning of my career. And um, now there is uh, a lot more of that opportunity. And I think that that's exciting. I mean, of course, I want to be one of those women, you know, to, you know, that I'm looked up to and I'm happy to do that for, for any woman in the, in, in, in the space. Um, but there's, there, you know, there was, and I think continues, you know, still to be uh, a significant amount of sexism. I think there's also this, this, this idea that women still have to do more to get that promotion, to get that raise, to, 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 to get, you know, a better starting salary, to, to, to get better benefits, um, which of course is not fair in the least. Um, and so I, I did have, I did have that. Um, but I also was grateful to have, uh, several people who, who were very supportive of me and what I wanted to do. Um, I think I was also a semi atypical, uh, woman, I, I, you know, I, 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 I do not have children at home, um, and that I needed to, to, you know, take care of. So mm-hmm. I was able to be deployed very quickly on uh, mergers and acquisitions uh, to to another country for three months at a time, um, yeah. and and because of my choice and situation, I was able to take those opportunities. I don't, I, I know it's not that I don't think I know that a woman who had a family could not do that. And that is self-limiting to, and that is limiting to, to her potential career growth. And because I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't in that situation. I was able to take those opportunities to advance my career. I don't think that's what 
a career um, career growth should be judged upon. Sure. It was a choice that I personally made, and it was an opportunity that I was able to take. But I, I think those perceived um, biases still exist. Yeah. And that's where we need to continue to change um, the industry and, and, and the world, of course. But, you know, the industry specifically, uh, it has gotten better. And uh, I think we're all grateful for that. But there's still incredibly um, a lot of work to do. And, and I'm sure you guys have done tons of research. Actually, I know you've done a ton of research on this. But still, the women in C positions in med tech, uh, med device companies, um, it, is, it is not proportional um, uh, and, and it is not at a 50% level, uh, where it should be to have equality. And that's, uh, that's something that we're all striving for, of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Oh, uh, I want to transition in and talk about, uh, while we still have a little bit of time here, talk about when did the switch when did it flip for you and you decide to go into stem when did that happen uh, how old were you when did you say you know what i want to be an engineer oh always so <laughs> i wanted to be an astronaut since the day i was like born i'm sure um so so for me it it, it literally came from birth um and and i and it was not intentional honestly it, it, it just happened. Uh, I mean, and my parents uh, supported everything and that that I wanted. I went to space camp many times. I actually started as an aerospace engineer uh, at university, at college. So, um, so for me, like that's very much uh, has been uh, is is part of who I am. Um, but as far as being an engineer, listen, I didn't even know what an engineer was. I knew I wanted to do something, and I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't know the path to get there. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, uh, the word engineer and the title engineer is a lot more uh, open now. Um, but I, I didn't know what it really was back then. Um, and and I'm grateful that I went into engineering, certainly. And, and you know, it's a, it's a way of thinking and it teaches a way of thinking and especially related to STEM. Like it, it, it teaches you a process. It teaches you a way of thinking. It doesn't necessarily have to be a profession. And, um, and, and I think that's an important point because there's a lot of people who want to do a certain thing, but they don't want to be an engineer. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a degree, you know, yeah. it's a degree. It's a way of thinking. It's, it doesn't have to be your profession. I was an engineer for a long time and I'm happy that I was, but, and I always will be, but like, I don't practice that as part of my profession any longer, 20 years later. Sure. Um, it, it's just, it's a way of thinking. It's also a way of doing things. And, and um, it, there's, there, I mean, I think there's nothing better than an engineer, but obviously super biased on that. But, um, you know, so, but yeah, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I've been, I've been in STEM my entire my entire lifetime, and um, and I had uh, I had very blessed and supportive parents who are who were you know okay with that. Awesome, awesome. Well, Marissa, thanks for stopping by, and I appreciate this conversation. And we have to have you back. I'd love it. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to be back. Anytime, anytime. Thanks. Thanks.
Thank you.